Hi, we're Robin and Shelby, and you're listening to the Rising Rebel podcast. Through this podcast, our vision is to empower women to go for their dreams and have the courage to stand in their power. If you are someone who wants to live consciously, explore and shift your mindset, deepen your desire for personal growth, and really rebel against the shoulds and limiting beliefs that are holding you back, you've come to the right place. Here, we dig deep into the journey back to self and uncover that inner knowing that allows us to live from a place of alignment and authenticity. If the universe has placed us in your path, get ready because we're going on a wild and expansive ride. If you're on a journey of self-discovery, we've created an incredible experience just for you. Essentially, we've created what we wish we had to streamline our own personal development journey. It's called the Evolve and Expand Online Retreat, and it goes live September 30th. We've curated the best experts, teachers, and coaches from around the globe to bring you a -a one-of-a-kind learning experience. Some of our own biggest breakthroughs have happened when we least expected it, and often from leaders and teachers who weren't even on our radar. We believe that blending and finding a balance of modalities to serve, expand, and involve your mind, body, and soul is really the secret sauce to initiating quantum shifts. Visit www.evolveandexpandretreats.com to purchase your ticket or enter our giveaway. We've made the next step on your journey easy, accessible, and affordable. You'll get to learn from 27 different workshops and over 27 hours of content, all with lifetime access. So if you're ready to choose you and dive deep, we'd be absolutely honored for you to join us. Hello, magical humans. You've got Shelby here. Welcome back to the Rising Rebel podcast. On today's episode, we have Rachel Joy and I what a joy it was to have her on the show. It's so funny. I always say this about all of our guests. It's so fun to have them on. Everybody that we've had lately, like probably the last at least six or seven episodes have all been hosts of the Evolve and Expand online retreat. So if you're loving these episodes, you're definitely going to want to get inside of this retreat because everybody's going to have a workshop inside. So we're giving you guys a little bit of a sneak peek into them. Rachel Joy is a serial entrepreneur and a board-certified trainer and master practitioner in NLP, EFT, time techniques, clinical hypnotherapy, and life and success coaching. She is the founder of Rachel Joy, a luxury personal development brand accompanied by its emerging sister brand, House of Joy, a life and success coaching community and hub for parents. Additionally, Rachel is the co-founder of Total Recovery Practitioner, a trauma-informed, immersive, accredited certification program designed with the high-level support of a business mastermind and in the immersive experience of a spiritual retreat. Rachel has an extensive background in health coaching, personal training, and addiction counseling, and more. In combination with her expertise as a certified trainer, Rachel takes a unique approach to generate freedom in her clients' lives. Rachel has been featured in media such as the CW Network, Thrive Global, and a top podcast, Earn Your Happy by Lori Harder, with over 37 million downloads. She is a powerful facilitator of transformational change and is extremely passionate about helping women claim their power to become unstoppable in pursuit of their dreams. Like I said, such a joy to have Rachel on the podcast. She's very multifaceted. She has a very uh, touching story that gets us started, and I cannot wait to start the episode. Hello, Rachel, and welcome to the Rising Rebel podcast. It's so nice to have you here. Likewise, I'm so excited to have this conversation today. 
Yes. And we just learned that we're both Canadians. So that's cool. <laughs> You're in Toronto. I am. I wish I was on the West Coast, though. I mean, the mountains over there are much prettier than what we have, but it's still cool yeah. that we got some Canadian power happening. Heck yeah. Canadians unite. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually like to start off this podcast with getting to know you a little bit, a little bit of your background, kind of if you have a story, usually everybody has a bit of a story that brought you from where you were to where you are now. I find coaches specifically, we always have a story. We always have something that brought us into coaching or into whatever we're doing in the world right now. So do you have a little story for us? Oh my gosh, I have a million stories. <laughs> the question is, which story do I share? Um, it's interesting because I have a million stories, but they all interweave into really one. So I'll do like the beginnings, but then I'll bring you to where I'm at now and weave it all together. So um, knowing that this is a personal development and emotional healing, you know, podcast and summit that we're going to be collaborating on, I think it's important to share that very beginning stages because that's where my story really did start is my childhood and my mental health. I was depressed at a very young age, anxious at a very young age. I always say that I was fearful of everyone and everything. Like I was just so uncomfortable in my own mind and my own body um, from a very, very, very young age. Like I remember being three years old and just feeling different at that young age. I had like my baby belly still where most people were starting to lose their belly and I had a little outie belly button. I just remember looking at myself. That's just one context, but looking at myself at such a young age and be like, I'm different than everyone else. Like, why is their belly flat? But mine's still really round and cute and protruding. I didn't think it was cute back then, though. I just saw how I was different. And then life goes on, and i that was the lens that I looked through was how am I different on a negative way, not a positive way. So I grew up in a family of alcoholism. My mother went to treatment when I was 11 years old, and that drastically changed my perspective on, again, my life, myself. And I'm thankful now that my mom has found recovery. We're actually business partners in Total Recovery Practitioner, which is a coaching certification based on her clinical expertise um, and mental health. But, you know, back then I wasn't so happy about it. I lived a very sheltered life. I didn't know what alcohol was. I didn't realize there was a problem until all of a sudden, I'm sitting on her lap one day and she goes, mommy has to go away for a long time. So she went into residential treatment. Suddenly I'm the only girl and the youngest at home with my two older brothers and my father. And life became very, very different for us. I felt very alone, very different again. And I just took my inward self even more inward. And then um, I had a very close loved one, another one, uh, enter into residential treatment about a year and a half after my mom. And so the story was addiction is just in my family and we're doomed. Like that's just the story I kind of adopted was I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke. I can't do drugs because I'm going to end up like them. Come to high school, peer pressure. I'm so stuck in myself that I'm like, well, what do I got to lose? I'm so depressed. I'm so anxious. I've been like this my whole life. I need something that's going to help me. So I had my first drink, had my first toke, and I loved it ever since. But I never, you know, wanted to go back. And fast forward to 
graduation of 12th grade when everyone's going to college, I'm having a complete meltdown <laughs> telling my mom that I can't do this anymore. And my mom at that time was sober um, and she could see the path I was going on. There were constant fights of like, are you going out tonight? Are you going to use? I was in addiction counseling at that point, but like nothing was really sticking. And um, I was like, no, mom, you're crazy. Like, I'm not doing any of that stuff. Of course, a mother knows what's going on. And um, I just couldn't lie to her anymore. I remember the words I said to her. We got in a big fight. And the next day I wrote a letter to her and I said, mom, I know I have greatness within me. I want to be great. I just don't know how to be great. And legit within three to seven days max, I was on a plane to Salt Lake City, Utah, the land of residential treatment centers. My mom thankfully had all the connections. This was the business she was running at the time was treatment navigation for mental health and addiction services. So she knew where to send me. And I spent 60 days in a residential treatment center. So that's how it really all started was 18 years old in treatment. Wow. I, 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 there's not very many 18 year olds. I don't think that have that sort of like inner knowing that a, you said I have greatness. I just don't know how to access it. I know it's inside of me and B I, I need help at 18 years old. Like that's, what do you think that was? What was that inner feeling inside of you? Where did, where do you think that came from? Is it something you always had growing yeah. up like that really close connection to your inner guidance system? You know, I, that's a question I've been asked before. And I think it's a combination of things. I think, like I said, I've always had that self-awareness from a young age. So I think there's, I've always been deeply rooted to like my soul essence, I guess you could call it, even though if I, even if I wasn't using it for a greater purpose, I, I could hear that inner voice. Um, but I also think I was fortunate enough to, have tools and resources given to me at a young age. So even though there was a lot of chaos and a lot of dysfunction in my family, I also started therapy as early as 11 years old. Most kids don't go to therapy from 11 to 18 years old. So I was in therapy on and off in different forms from one-on-one, group, family therapy as well, based off of what was going on that I think I started this work so early that even though life wasn't working out for me, I had enough tools and you know, capabilities to really identify that if I want something different, I'm going to have to do something different. Yeah. And it sounds like you had that support system too, of like many different people, although maybe, you know, you had some dysfunction in your family. You said you had the structure of, you know, guidance from others, the therapy, even though your yeah. mom was, it sounds like even though your mom was struggling, she also had her wits about her to make sure that, you know, those ducks were in a row. So that's, that's really cool. So how did that? So, okay, so you're 18, you've gone to treatment, you come back, how long until you got into helping other people? Was it like a quick transition? Or how did you find your path to helping other people? So that was the first time I ever felt like, true happiness was when I was in treatment. And I started loving myself more and, and noticing that I'm capable of so much more as well. So the connection of the feeling, knowing I have something within me, but then actually identifying it was in that moment. And so I knew I wanted 
to come home, go to school for something in the realms of helping people, but I didn't know what that was. Um, so I went to school for psychology and I had this big vision, I still do, of creating a residential, like a retreat center. The vision's changed a little bit, but a retreat center that's also a residential treatment center for people who aren't as lucky as I was to be able to go to a residential treatment center. Because I've also had loved ones end up in psych wards at hospitals, and it's a very different experience for healing, and it's not a conducive environment for healing either. So I do think the environment that I was healing in was also a big contributor to how easy it was for me to heal and how fun I found it. Um, so that's the vision. So I went to school psychology and I had the goal of being a PhD, like I got to go to the top type of thing. And I got to go to the top in order to make this vision happen. Of course, I'm now 19, 20 years old in university, everyone's partying and I'm like, this is not for me. <laughs> I'm depressed again and I want to go back to my old life. So I dropped out and I was like, well, if I can't do this, then what am I going to do? My mom came across a health coaching program. She's like, Hey, I have a friend who's doing this health coaching program. Why don't you try it? So I enrolled in a health coaching program and I enrolled in an interior design program at the same time. One was on campus. One was, you know, online. So I was doing both at the same time. I thought I was going to go into interior design because it was on full campus. I'm actually thriving. I have a 4.0 GPA. I'm getting awards for the first time. Like I'm killing it. I'm starting my own interior design business. That way, by the time I graduate, I'm like full forced in it. Um, and I was a month away from graduating and I won a ticket to a Tony Robbins event. And when I was at that Tony Robbins event, I was just watching him intervene on a woman who had a very similar story to me. And I was like, oh my God, I am not meant to be a designer. Like I need to go into coaching. And I wasn't doing coaching because I was lacking the confidence to actually coach and build a business. So I wasn't putting myself out there. I had health coach in the title of my bio, but that was it. Like no lead magnet, no offerings. Content was inspirational, but no call to actions. Like I was really playing small. So I went to that event and I was like, okay, I'm doing this all wrong. This is my purpose. Let's go. Uh, forgot to mention that I also went to school for addiction counseling. So I had my health coaching and addiction counseling. And then I just took the action. I came home, invested a one-on-one -on -one business coach, just played full out, took the action. And then I also continued my education into what I have now, which is a trainer in NLP, hypnotherapy, life and success coaching, time techniques, and um, tapping emotional freedom techniques. Wow. Um, my journey started with Tony Robbins as well. So I, I love I with you on that. <laughs> yeah, I totally I've been to me and my mom and my youngest brother, we went to a Tony Robbins event. And that's yeah, I swear it all. It always starts with Tony. <laughs> he is the best. Um, I, I have a he'll ha always have a special place in my heart. That's for totally. sure. Yeah. So, okay. So let's get into, um, a little bit about what you're doing now. So you're actually, um, a workshop host inside of our evolve and expand online retreat. And we are so excited to have you in there. Your workshop is called breaking intergenerational patterns and becoming more you. Mm. So can you go into that a little bit? I'm give us in with little... what I just shared. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. And like, give us a little sneak peek about uh, what you're going to be like yeah. doing inside of the workshop. And yeah, tell us about what you're doing now. And I want to okay. know about NLP as well. <laughs> okay. So 
it's really, really interesting because I would have never thought that the work I do is in, with intergenerational trauma. But the work that I do in terms of working with clients, but then also my own like spiritual journey and assignment and healing, like my life's mission is exactly that. Um, because like you said, I was so fortunate for my mom to go first and she knew where to send me and stuff. And that's because she's the first chain breaker, like her history in uh, addiction and mental health and trauma within her own individualized family unit was far more extensive than mine was. So she made the first leap to break the chains for me. And yet, even though she took that first leap, me and my brothers were still at the effect of what hadn't been repaired early or quick enough. And so I woke up about two years ago when I had my first son, my only son right now. Uh, he's now three. But I had a very traumatic birth experience, which just brought up a whole lot of my inner child trauma, which I thought I had healed. I've been through it before. I've been to therapy. It doesn't affect me anymore. And then all of a sudden, like, wham, hit me right back in the face again. I was like, oh, we're here again. Okay, let's go through this. And so I'm healing and I'm healing. And what's going on is I'm actually turning into my business as a distraction from my healing. So I'm working overtime, kind of ignoring my son, to be honest. And, you know, just business, of course, since I'm putting the energy in is flourishing to the max. But internally, and in my family life, it was not flourishing at all. We were all in survival mode. And so as he started, you know, one and a half years to two years, really one and a half years, two year mark when he's, you know, kind of becoming his own person, and he's starting to babble, and he's having his own wants, and he's asserting himself a little bit more. I woke up to motherhood, I was like, Oh, my God, I have a child. And this child needs me like this child needs me to be present for him. And when they have their own wants, and you know, they're talking now and doing things and you're trying to tell them one thing, and they're not listening, it tests your patience. And I saw myself acting and behaving in ways that I knew I didn't want to act and behave in because I knew how detrimental that was to me as a child, but I didn't know any other way. And so I enrolled in a parenting coaching certification really for myself, but then I ended up loving it so much that I started sharing it with others. And so I now have two businesses. I have House of Joy, which is the life and success coaching hub for parents. But then in that time, I was also running a coaching certification. That was what was taking off when I was in like, you know, dedication, work hustle, let's ignore my real life mode. So Transcend Academy was taking off. And I, when I enrolled in the certification, the parenting certification, I made the decision to close that down. And I don't know what happened, but in between the six months of saying I'm closing TA down and going into House of Joy, my mom and I had this conversation about what it means to heal intergenerational trauma and the work that I'm doing for myself and my own family. And we decided to actually partner together so that we can bring this work to other people so that they too can know how to heal intergenerational trauma because here's where we come into NLP. So NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. 
Neurolinguistic programming is basically the language of your subconscious mind. And your subconscious is responsible for 99% of all thoughts, feelings, behaviors. And most of those thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and values, and beliefs have been formed between the ages of zero and seven, which is your primary and form, former upbringing. So when you think about the ages of zero to seven, your childhood, who were you around? What were you taught? What was the environment you grew up in? What was the attachment from your primary caregiver? Were you, were they even emotionally available for you or not? All of these things come into play in who you are as an adult today. <laughs> that rhymes. Um, and so with that, it, intergenerational trauma isn't so much about parenting, but it's more about looking at you as an individual and saying, who am I at my core? What was I taught? And do I choose to subscribe to what I was taught? Like, does that really serve me? Is it my truth or is it somebody else's truth? Because if it's not your truth, you have the option and the opportunity to be a chain breaker for yourself and the lineage that you create to then change that. And that's up to you. So that's where NLP then comes in because you're identifying how do you see yourself? How do you view the world? And then what do I want to change? What changes do I want to adopt? And then you can do the subconscious change work to actually adopt and create those changes much easier than uh, willpowering your way to change. Wow. <laughs> wow. Is that, so that was I'm a lot. Like, so feel free to ask me questions and we can dissect this more. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm just nodding along as you're, you're speaking my language because um, I too, when I became a mother, Actually, it started in my journey of trying to become a mom when I was sort of slapped in the face with all of my subconscious beliefs uh, before I was even able to conceive. And so, yeah, I'm just really relating to you on that level of like, you think you've kind of got it all together and then you become a mom and it becomes more obvious of like, okay, yes, I'm going to heal these things for myself but it's for my next generation. It's for the lineage. It's for her. Like everything I do now for myself, I also have in mind my daughter. I have, yeah. what do I want to show up? Yeah. It's really fascinating. I love that you said, um, breaking, looking back at intergen intergenerational patterns, but also being like the chain breaker and like it starts here. Yeah. It's yeah. so empowering. So that's the thing. People think intergenerational trauma is, you know, when abuse from one generation gets handed down to the next or uh, racism gets handed down from the next. But it's not always abuse. It could be a belief system. It could be a behavior or a pattern. That's what I call intergenerational. That's why I say inter instead of just intergenerational trauma, I say intergenerational trauma and patterns, because I think mm -hmm. people tend to run away from the term intergenerational trauma, like, ooh, trauma, we don't have any of that here. But it really is just how our beliefs and behaviors have impacted us and or the next generation. How we taught yeah, our generations to grow up in fear or not in some way. Yeah. And I think sometimes when I've previously thought about intergenerational things, sometimes it feels like, okay, that happened in the past. What can we do now? How, you know, it feels like limiting a little bit sometimes when you think about like, well, all this stuff happened and it's been passed down to me. And, but when you kind of step into the driver's seat of your life and you say, okay, I can be, I love the word chain breaker, 
that's where it can change. It can change with me. I, I'm the one who can step into that role. Like I nominate myself for the next generation. And so that really feels empowering as opposed to thinking as, okay, well, it's happened in this generation. There's nothing we can do about it. Yes, you can be the chain breaker. You can stop that right now in its tracks, do the work and not pass those things down to your daughter. They're not doomed. They're your no, children, they're right? Not. They're not doomed. <laughs> I would say, in fact, every generation has more opportunity than the generation prior. Totally. And you said, you know, my son's uh, going to be the, the recipient of all the work that I'm doing. And so who is mm-hmm. he going to be to his family when he does hopefully one day have kids? It's going to be better than yeah. I was. That's for sure. Because we're also going to mess up. <laughs> we're going to mess up. We all probably already have in ways, but it's the repair that matters. Mm hmm. Yeah, I like that. You said you are the sum of the people, places, and things that made you think you are you. Can you go into that a little bit? Because I think our listeners are probably thinking, okay, how how can I relate to this? How how were how what were the you know the sum of the people, places, and things yeah. that made me think I was? Okay, I'm like wondering if I should just talk, or I'm wondering if I should play a game with you or myself right now. Let me think through this. You are the sum of people who made you think you were you. Okay. So let's, let's use old me, old me at the beginning of the story. Like I said, I was very anxious, very afraid, very low self-worth and self-esteem. I actually thought I was so ugly that no man would ever want to marry me. Um, like that's where I was at (laughs) once upon a time. And now I Mm. am confident, happy, healthy, I think I'm beautiful. I am able to put myself out there. And if I ever get into a depression, it's like maybe for a week max, I bounce back pretty quickly now. So Mm -hmm. old me, those were labels I was using. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm afraid. I'm ugly. I'm worthless. Where did all that come from? I was definitely not born into the world believing that. In reality, we're born as like these pure, innocent, like entirely worthy little souls. It's every person, place, thing in our life in those years of experience that chip away at us to make us feel like we're less than, we're not good enough, we aren't worthy, we're sad all the time because of the meaning we're attaching to those things of how we perceive ourselves. So that can happen from labels from people like your primary caregivers or the primary influences. Maybe it's your school teacher, whoever's, you know, really spending time with you. It could even be your friend at a very young age, somebody that you value. It could have been a value that you picked up. Maybe you grew up listening to your parents saying, oh, people like us aren't ever successful, whatever it might be. So even though that's about your parents' belief, your parents' value, you adopted that because it was what they held as true. And children, the reason why we're so impressionable at that young age is because we don't have a critical faculty. There's no critical thinking to say, is this true or not? We think Santa Claus is real or the tooth fairy exists because that's what our parents tell us when we're a kid. So it's the same thing about what we believe to be true about ourselves in terms of success, identity, uh, wealth, health, any category of your life, think of the wheel of life, romance, friends, personal development, um, what else is on there, finances, career, 
all those categories of life, whatever you were taught or heard from your primary influences or the meanings you attached from various experiences in your life is what you believe to be true about yourself. But if you take a step out of that to who you are today, so going to the new Rachel, the confident one, you know, the happy one, the successful one, we're all that person at our core. If we take a step back and realize that I am not the labels that people have said I am, I am not the experiences that people have said I am, I am who I say I am, then you get an entirely different picture and identity of the person who you are. And when you have a different identity, you get an entirely different life because you're going to act differently. You're going to behave differently. You're going to believe differently. And that's where your life actually starts to change. Thank, yeah, thank you for explaining that. That makes that makes perfect sense to me. The person that you are now in your truest, fullest expression, that's actually the one you were born as before the labels came. Yes, yes. And so really, it's just a coming home to the truest you. I love that. I always say whenever I hear the term coming home, I always felt like coming home with a capital O-M because it's like, like you said, oh, coming home, finding that peace yeah. within. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So tell us a little bit about the workshop that you're going to be doing inside of the Evolve and Expand retreat. I'm really excited. I currently have my assistant formatting the slides for you guys. I am a Capricorn. I have slides. (laughs) I will not go in with just a video, even though I could totally kill it with a video. I, I love like presenting and putting on a show. So the slides are going to be walking you through a process to identify what are your unique intergenerational patterns and beliefs, and then guide you from identifying it to then releasing them and transmuting them into a new set of beliefs that you want to adopt that resonates with, as we're talking about in this conversation, your true essence, so that you can pass that on to your lineage rather than the version of you right now that is not serving yourself and likely not serving your loved ones either. What are the most common belief systems that you see show up in most people's lives? Because I'm just thinking from the point of view of our listeners, I always like to relate it to sort of a a baseline where people can like pick out, okay, that's me. Okay, that's me. So what are some of those like really common ones where people might relate to like, oh, I have that. Is there any ones that you see a lot of? Um, So culturally, that we're different. We all have different races and diversities and cultures. For example, um, I grew up in a Jewish family and I went to Jewish day school for a few of my primary years. And on my husband's side, both grandparents are Holocaust survivors. So there's a lot of fear and anxiety. And if you grow up in a Jewish community, or I call it the Jewish bubble, meaning you go to school with Jews, you don't know anything else. I personally am not a fan. I went to public school in high school because of that. I really want to be a part of the real world. But in my younger days, I went to a Jewish school. Everyone's Jewish. Everyone's the same. And they teach you that people don't like Jews. You're, you're hated on. We would even get bomb threats at our school sometimes, and we would have to evacuate. So I'm learning from a very young age, people don't like me and I'm different. Similarly, I guess I, I am a white privileged person, female, so I know it, this isn't my area to speak about, but I also kind of understand given my personal experience. African-Americans also feel very similar. They feel 
that they are different. People don't like them. And it is not safe to be who you are in your body, race, culture, skin that you are. And so that gets handed down. I am different. It is not safe to be me. Another one gets handed down is worthiness. You're not capable of doing something like that, or you're not worthy of that. And most commonly, I would say something I see amongst any culture, race, religion, quality of status of wealth is always some type of money story. Everyone has Mm -hmm. some type of relationship with money, even those who are incredibly wealthy. And that money story gets passed on from generation to generation to generation. Boom. That's a big one. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, I mean, they're I all big. I love money mindset for that reason. I get, I geek out on like money mindset hypnosis and reprogramming because everyone has some type of complex relationship with money, even the people who have the most amount of money. Yeah. Did you have to do some work around money yourself? Like what was, when you say hypnosis, I know that um, you, you do a hypnosis as well, right? Yes. So I am an entrepreneur, obviously, and I also work (laughs) with entrepreneurs. And I find that if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to have a strong money mindset. And I grew up in a family where it was never enough. Even though I went to sleepover camp, private school, had the best of the best in clothing, my parents were always fighting and saying how it was never enough. You have to stop shopping at Holt Renfrew, which is equivalent to Nordstrom in the States. Like, you got to stop doing this. You got to stop doing this. It's enough. Like, we don't have enough. There was so much stress and chaos around money, even though we were always supplied for. And so I noticed a pattern in my own relationship with money where I would earn enough to have my lifestyle that I wanted, but then either something would happen where it would completely disappear because I was spending it all, like I could never keep it, so I'm still living month to month, or I would earn super, super high, surpass my thermometer, let's call it, and then I would somehow dip back down. And so that's my money story of my generation, and it comes from my parents as well, their generation. My dad grew up having an outhouse, So it was never enough for him. He grew up very, very poor and they created the wealth, but even though they had the wealth, it still never felt enough because of his trauma response. And so that got passed down to that money story that I just shared. So I've had to do a lot of reprogramming on what money means to me, that I am worthy of money, that I can have more than enough. And I will say that I still do that work. Like, There's times where I see myself kind of dipping back down into old patterns. I'm like, oh, hey, story, there you are. Let's reprogram this and really step into my true full power and potential again. Amazing. Oh, I love it. There's so many similarities. Like it all really leads back to like whether it's money or your belief, like anything, it all comes down to, you know, it's been passed down. It's not our thinking. First, we have to recognize that it's not ours. Then we get to do the healing on it and rewire that subconscious programming and then choose what we want to believe. How empowering is that? Like that's, to me, that's like the coolest thing in the work that you and I and everybody in our community does. It's like, we're in the driver's seat of our life. We actually get to choose our beliefs. Like that's, that gets me lit up. (laughs) I'm like, yes, that's the coolest part of all of this is that we actually get to choose 
what belief patterns that we want to believe. We get to choose which ones we pass down. We get to choose the way we live. We get to choose the way we love everything. It's like, it's us. We get to do it. Yeah. And that's the thing where listeners, especially if they're new to this work, will be like, what do you mean I get to choose? Why is my life the way it is if this is whatever, or I've chosen Mm -hmm. this before, but it didn't happen. And I want to remind you that it's not an overnight magical cure, number one. But number two, when you choose your core values, so the values that you align to, I know you know this because you've been to Tony Robbins, but our values and identity, so how we view ourselves and what we value, what's important to us, will dictate your belief system and your behaviors that you take. And so if you are valuing certain things that aren't true to you, but that have been passed on to you, or valuing certain things in a misaligned way to your core vision and desire of life, you're gonna get a result or a picture of your reality of life that you deeply don't like. So if you want something different, trace it all the way back to your values. And we do go into this a little bit in the presentation for the summit. So if you're in the summit, you'll be locked and loaded with that. So don't you worry. Amazing. Very, very cool. Where can people find you online? So the easiest place to find me is at the Rachel Joy. That's like, at, sorry, at the Rachel Joy one, number one. Um, that's my main personal page. And then there's two other pages that you can be guided to from there, which is at Total Recovery Practitioner. That's my coaching certification in partnership with my mom. Um, and then at official.houseofjoy, which is my parenting coaching page. So cool. I love that you've got like a couple, a couple different things and it gives people permission listening to the, to this podcast. You can do it all. You don't need (laughs) to like, you know, you don't need to like pick this one specific lane and like, okay, that's your lane. Stay in that lane. It's like, no, you can do it all. <laughs> I just wanted to like add that's that in there. very because- difficult for me because I am very multi-passionate. So I've, I've tried for so long to fit myself into like one box. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it all. Even if it feels like I'm doing things a little bit slower, I'm going to do it all. Because House of Joy was mm-hmm. supposed to be like my 2023 project. And we're now just over halfway through 2023 and I've still haven't like I've gotten it up and running but not to where I want it to be but I've given myself grace because I'm like it's okay I'm running two businesses right now I don't need to you know go all in I originally wasn't even anticipating TRP to even be a thing with my mom so I was gonna go all in on just house of joy but you know what you have room for both just honor the timeline of it and it will all happen Absolutely. So I always like to ask my guests to leave our audience just with a little goodness, a little something that comes up, something that you want to, a little message for them. Do you have anything that's coming up for you that you could share? Yeah, it's always the same one. And it's something that my very first mentor ever said to me. And it was when I was signing the contract to invest in her and I was absolutely terrified. And that is that the transformation is in the yes. The minute you say yes to you is the minute that you take a stand for that next version of yourself. And so the minute you say yes, you'll start taking action and certain people, places and things, opportunities will come your way to put all the pieces together. And before you know it, whether it's six months out, a year, three years from that time that you said yes and continuously say yes to you, you'll find yourself living a completely different life because of the work that you've done. Beautiful. 
Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. It was so fun. Mm -hmm. All right. I will have all of the information in the show notes for where you can find Rachel and yeah, check out the Evolve and Expand retreat. All the links are in our bios for that website. You can go check it out, find Rachel and 27 other workshops inside of this retreat. So, okay, my friend, we will see you on the other side. If you've made it to the end of this episode, that means you're committed to expanding your mindset, shifting your beliefs, and the journey back to self. We are so honored and absolutely grateful to have you along for the ride. If you enjoyed this conversation, please help us spread the message by sending this episode to a friend. The Rising Rebel is dedicated to creating a paradigm shift where women remember how truly magical and innately worthy they are. See you next week, and remember... Empowered women are good for the world. 